What's going on, Trophy Kids? It is the college football episode. This is a great one. We are breaking down a couple of this week's games. We're highlighting some of the James Franklin news. Where is he going to go? Is he going to go? Some other things in college football. And then we are breaking down the game of the week. Michigan, Michigan State in great detail. Might be our best breakdown yet. We got a pick at the end of it. We are ready to roll. Thank you for your support and your continued listenership. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is October 28th. We are coming to you a day early, mostly because I have to be in Denver, but we wanted to make sure we got the podcast out this week because it is the Battle of Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, which we will get to at the end of the show, but we have Dante on here today. No, Tim. How are we doing today? Good, sir. Doing well. Doing well, as always. It's, uh, oh, I'm very excited. I absolutely love it. Love this week, mostly because of that big noon kickoff. We do have a nice Big Ten game at the to wrap the night up, but uh, I'm very, very excited. Very excited. How are we feeling? We're going to talk about them in depth towards the end, but initial thoughts, how you are know, we feeling? Um, I am opti- I am optimistically cautious about this <laughs> game. <laughs> That's fair. I don't go in with any um, expectations. I'm not saying that Michigan State will 100% win. I'm not saying that Michigan. I'm not saying that Michigan State will lose. I honestly, I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts that we can get into a little later. Um, but honestly, if you wanted my like pure like not a homer thing, I think this game is still a toss up. And again, we can talk about that. A little towards the end. We'll get to it. I like it. A little tease for the people. You know, get through the show. But we got some things to talk about. Get through the show. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some big stuff. Uh, First, the uh, state of Illinois lives rent free in James Franklin's head, as we learned out this past weekend, with once again, Nate was right. And there is poison gas in the Penn State program. James Franklin is not as good as advertised. That man is leaving Penn State. Said it at the start of the season. It finally came to fruition insane overtime game the real overtime rule came back nine overtime yes absolutely unreal um one of the dumbest new rules to begin with but i never saw a game that i was like they should just tie and we should just call this a (laughs) night because but also it was the greatest thing i ever saw it's perfect big 10 like it's two teams that don't (laughs) attempt two-point conversions put into a spot to put do two-point conversions because both their offenses sort of stink and their defenses yes. are good. And, and now you know everyone in the Big Ten is practicing two-point conversions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a nice, strong reminder to the entire country, to be honest, uh, for programs that do not do that on a regular basis to uh, inquire or roll that into practices going forward and maybe even throw it in a game every once in a while, you know, blowout games or games where you, know, you might just want to give it a little practice during live fire. Or just, and this is, I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to come back to haunt me. Try to turn the other team over in the first two overtimes and just score on that. Yep. And then we can just get this over with. <laughs> I agree. It's a dumb rule that we do this now, like the, the new playoffs, but it is the way it is. Um, it is what it is. But this has led to another disastrous week for Penn State because not only do they come off that Illinois buy, not only do they have the best offense in the country coming to play them on Uh, Saturday night, but James Franklin is now rumored to be leaving Penn State. Now, pat on the back for Nate. 
I did say this going into the season. This was going to be a problem for Penn State. Not that he would leave, but James Franklin and the program health was a little suspicious. We should be Mm -hmm. questioning it. Four offensive coordinators in five years, not ideal. We saw that play out. That's one reason they, you know, struggled against Illinois. It's a reason they've struggled throughout the year. There's it's hard for quarterbacks, hard for offenses to continue to learn new systems. There's no continuity, there's no offensive um kind of leadership there, um, and stability. And James Franklin is now rumored for USC and LSU jobs, heating up those rumors is the fact that he just hired Jimmy Sexton, who is the agent for people like Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, um, Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian. He's a real power broker in that world. James Franklin has been linked to that, mostly because of his recruiting ability. Because if we're being honest, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, like James Franklin hasn't done anything special at his time in Penn State. They've been good, but I wouldn't say they've been reaching expectations and to the point where you're going – Man, he he deserves the LSU or, or USC job, but maybe that's an indictment of just the coaching landscape at this point in time right now. Yeah, I think that James Franklin has done a lot with the talent he has been able to recruit and the brand that is Penn State. I will say that he has kept them relevant. He has won some big games, not a lot, but he's won some big games, and he's kept them in that coveted Big Ten position of winning eight or nine games a year, maybe winning ten. Um, and t- to be honest, like when you're in the Big Ten, that's all they're really asking you to do. Unless you're at Nebraska, where you have a coach that was doing that and you fire him. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think that's what makes him attractive for these other schools, right? If you're LSU, you know you can get him better recruits, and yep. if you can get him better recruits, better facilities, a better name brand, does he then win? I think. If I'm James Franklin, I go to USC because it's much more winnable. They they want to win not the same way that LSU wants to win, but they still want to win. They want to be brought back to glory, but the path to winning at USC is much simpler and probably easier than even at Penn State. You don't, I mean, you got to go through Oregon. Sometimes you got to go through Washington if Washington's good, you know. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, if USC is good then I feel like the Pac-12 will just, like, fall around it, and it'll be back to, like, the 90s, you know, or early 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah, I I 100% agree. That job is better than the Penn State job. The LSU job is probably the best job in the pure fact that, like, you have— they have shown, because the last three coaches all won national championships at LSU, that you don't even have to be the best coach. As long as you're a really great recruiter, you're going to have an opportunity to win a national championship. But the pressure cooker there is so much greater than it is at USC, where they'll give you a little bit more time, and you have no natural like apex school in the state of California competing for recruits. You have Oregon coming into the state, but you are essentially it in that state. Similar to like LSU, you're yeah. the only one in LSU, but California is a much more recruit-rich state, um, and if you yep. can get that program right, you know, the world is your oyster at USC. Um, so I agree. I actually think the the USC job for James Franklin makes a heck of a lot more sense, especially from yep. a coach who has shown that he doesn't have a ton of stability with even within his own program. So a, pres- a position like LSU, you have to have some stability because they – they are a quick time crunch. They're a machine that will churn you out if you're not performing quickly, as we saw with Ed Ogeron. Um, unlike USC, which will give you a little bit of time. We saw that. <laughs> We've yeah, seen that from is, time yeah. to time with USC. But he's a recruiter that can get it done and really get USC, I think, back. Like That fits way better, for, for in my opinion. I, I'm with you on that 110%. Yeah, and there's a lot less stress at the USC job. I mean, if 
I if I had to choose between LSU and USC, I'm 100%, um, 100%. coaching there. The, you know, it's something that came up, and I know the people who are um, the people who are like, this is not a political podcast. They're going to get upset, but I'm going to say it. Uh, when we were talking about Mel Tucker going to LSU, right? We one of the things that got brought up was that do you want to be a black head coach? in the middle of the swamp, especially if your team is bad, right? We are not getting that same narrative with James Franklin, who is a black man, just in case you, you guys didn't know. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that that narrative, that same narrative didn't come up for James Franklin as it did with Mel Tucker. That's just something I'm throwing out there. We don't have to dwell on it, but it's just something I noticed. No, yeah, that's it's a good point. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective with James Franklin because I just... I haven't tuned in just yet, but I did know that was a talking point with Mel Tucker. Um, it's a talking point that, you know, I saw Stephen A. brought up with the Mike Tomlin rumors to USC, mm-hmm. um, which I thought Stephen A. did a great job of highlighting kind of the issues there. And Mike Tomlin's conference was all time. I love Mike Tomlin just to begin with, but that conference he gave was fresh kit kiss beautiful like he was i mean that's what you know you give that type of conference when you know your job is secure yeah right and you're like you like you're insulted by a job offer but you can insult right back because you have a great job that is secure to your point like it's just perfect um but yeah that's a good point i i don't know exactly what that would be um with jane franklin thing but yeah i I agree i don't it's an interesting dynamic um and one that there aren't I mean, there are very few black head coaches to begin with in the sport. That's been well-documented, right. but especially in the SEC. I mean, you had Jane Franklin at Vanderbilt before. Um, but, yeah, there's not a ton in the deep, deep south. Um, I will say this about Penn State, though. If James Franklin leaves, I've highlighted this for another job, but this actually makes a lot more sense. I heard it brought up on another podcast, no free ads, but it's a good point. Luke Fickle to fill that spot. I knew that's what you were going to say. I knew you were going to say Does that Luke not Fickle make Penn State. more sense? Though? I don't think if I if I'm Luke Fickle, I don't make that move because um I I'm with you have won me over to the Luke Fickle to Michigan when Michigan opens up. But here's the um, point. Do they open up? Cuz Penn State will open up and that is a school that gets Luke Fickle. Like what Luke Fickle wants to build, which is sort of like the the stereotypical Big Ten program. So does Michigan, mm-hmm. but they have to wait longer. Yeah. Like Penn State is down to run that. Like they don't need some fancy like spread it out, spread offense, like West Coast style. Like they're down to roll big, hard nosed Big Ten football and get to that like meat and potato style. Um, is what I thought was interesting. I don't know if I agree with it because I'm, I'm I like the I don't want to cut you off with the Big Michigan thing because I've been riding that banner forever. Um, but it was just something that yeah. I thought was interesting. I don't think I do think. Cincinnati, and I know you and Tim is in here, and I know you guys are gonna get on me. I they have played the schedule that was put in front of them. Mm-hmm. I do think they're a little overvalued. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my body's getting ready. Um, yeah, the yeah. Navy game was not great. Uh, that that they needed. Yeah. They're they're back in the old BCS era where they need style points uh, to really help yes. them out. Um, but I think. I think they're overvalued in one sense, but undervalued in another. I don't think people realize just how good that defense is um, mm-hmm. because they don't really play anybody that can test them. But they have a corner. They have arguably one of the best corners in the league. They're super efficient on defense. And the offense has some inconsistencies at times, but 
yeah, I um, what I discovered last night that I really want, I want them in the playoffs. Obviously, I desperately want Oklahoma UC playoff game. That that's all I want in my life. Who, who's gonna watch that? <laughs> Nobody but me. And that, it's gonna be awesome. No one. Yeah, I'm gonna love it. That, no, that, I will say this. <laughs> I hope UC fans are prepared to go undefeated and miss the playoffs. It, it, you're you have to hope Alabama loses. If Alabama loses and doesn't win out, you have a shot. Yeah. But if they win out, done. If There is still a case to be made that if Ohio State wins out, that you put them in over UC. Yep, so that's the issue. So Georgia wins yeah. out. So if, if, if Georgia wins out, which I think is the most likely outcome, but Alabama could win that game, but I think Georgia wins, just goes undefeated, wins out, they win the SEC. There's your SEC championship. The Big Ten is going, if Ohio State wins the way they're playing, and we're going to talk about them in a little bit, they're yep. in. Stop. No, like there's no there's no argument there anymore. Then you have Oklahoma. If they're undefeated, they're in. Then the problem is what who does the Pac-12 produce? Because if the Pac-12 produces Oregon, now it's a real debate. But if Oregon does not win the Pac-12, now we have a conversation for UC because the ACC champion's not getting in. And a two-loss no. Alabama team, I don't think will get in. Maybe the committee puts them in, as we talked about last week. But I think that would just be too hard when you lose to an unranked three and two Texas A&M. And you lose to a Oof. Georgia team, unless it is like a game-winning field goal in the SEC championship game, that might put Alabama in. But if they get curb stomped by Georgia, or even they lose by like two touchdowns, I, I don't think they can put them in. <laughs> That's a playoff game. The SEC championship game at that point is a playoff game. Yeah, a play-in game for yeah. the playoffs. And in the SEC, people will say, "Well, we have to have these hard games to just get one our." But oftentimes, there's two SEC teams in the playoffs so yeah give me a break they get more breaks than anybody ever like there is no other program in the country right now that loses to an undefeated three and two team just blind test it and still stays in the top five outside of alabama yeah like that's sec bias no other team does that like i would drop to nine if i would or if even better yet if um ohio state had lost to oregon at this point in the season and oregon was undefeated or not undefeated was unranked at three and two Ohio State would not have stayed in the top five. No, that would have been like, like kind of like Iowa, like yeah. nine, eight, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it. And SEC justifiably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> they get the bias left and right. Um, yeah, that's a, it, it, the conversation will be interesting. We're getting to the point. We're going to get the playoff. Now the real argument can start because next week we get the college football playoff rankings, which I've seen right. some predictions, which are kind of already kind of crazy, but. It doesn't matter. We are still it's so early. <laughs> kind of that, like, when I see those predictions, because I know they're getting, like, leaks from, because there's so many people, right? There's, like, yeah. what, 15 people or something, 12 people. Is. Yeah, but, so I know they're getting, like, preliminary leaks from those people, but sometimes I think they make those early picks to drive up media. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, what? Why would they be first looking out when they have a better record than the person that uh, the school that you put in? Whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think to you know wrap this back up. If you're a Penn State fan, uh, I don't think you should be expecting James Franklin to be there next year. Nope. Even after nine over, I mean, even after shitting the bed on nine overtimes. <laughs> And still this week then saying we're preparing for Illinois because they now live rent-free in James Franklin's head. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable game dropped. And that should have bounced them out. I wish we could flex Michigan and Michigan State to the night game. But, as we will talk about in a little bit, 
That would mean we don't get Gus Johnson, which I love for this big game. And had it been Flex, we might even get another Sean McDermott, which is the funniest clip to this day of him with that blo- uh, fumbled punt return in the Michigan-Michigan State game a couple years ago, and he turns in yeah. to a, like a 13-year-old boy going through <laughs> puberty again. Like, we missed those moments with this game not getting flexed. Jalen Watts, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Sean McDermott's call there was great. But, yeah, it's a big game, uh, big noon kickoff. Um, but we don't get it flexed, and we get Penn State-Ohio State to kick this off at night, which I guess is a good place to start for games this week. Yeah, so if we're talking about Penn State, Ohio State, the only good thing that I can say about Penn State and the only thing I think Penn State fans should get their hopes up for is that Penn State does not allow you to pass the ball. This is true. This is... It'll be interesting to see because they are going to go ends. I should have also said the line is 18.5. Big spread there. Mm-hmm. Over under 16.5. Penn State hasn't had a ton of true tests through the air, but the defense yeah. is still showed when you watch them to be very, very competent. They are going to get a test like none other because yeah. Ohio State comes in this game with a number one scoring offense in college football. They're averaging 49.3 points a game. Penn State is 80th in the country, averaging 26.9 uh, points per game, just to put that in comparison. But they do have the six-best cool. defense when it comes to the fewest points allowed per game, which is at 14.7. Exactly. So That's exactly what I was getting at, yes. yes. <laughs> so it's an interesting matchup. We're really going to see. Some people have this off or defense ranked super, super high. Some think it's a little overrated. I think it falls somewhere in the middle, where I think it's not as strong as some people think, but it's also not as bad as some other people I've heard claim. Um, but this is a game where if they can't control the clock and they can't c- control time of possessions, things could get ugly real quick um, in Columbus this weekend. Yeah, I think, too, um, is there a game where Ohio State had to rely on their run game to open up the pass? If you say the Oregon game, they lost that game. Yeah, it's about the only I'm, time. And I think it's the only time that Minnesota they game. And Minnesota it was, game a little bit. Minnesota oh, that, game. Yeah, the Minnesota yeah. game. They were shaking. They, you ran out a high school football player as your <laughs> <laughs> quarterback. So who, who, by the way, to his credit, CJ Stroud has has come to form. He is he's sort of gotten those early game jitters out. Um, he's first in QBR, sixteenth in yards right now, sixth in touchdowns. Um, he's not sailing the ball as much. So CJ has come into form more, which is good. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about this Ohio State team as a potential playoff team if he had not done that. No, he's he he deserves a lot of credit. He had to get out of his head a few times. He had to, I'm sure, listen to that, the media machine and the fans of Ohio State. Um, you know, he had to shake off that loss at Oregon, which I don't know if at 19, 18, however old he is, yeah. I don't know if I could have done that at that. I probably would still be like, I shouldn't have lost that game. And to but, get that chaos game in Minnesota, like that, that was a yeah. tough environment to get your first true road test in as like an 18 year old unproven guy had never really thrown the ball in a college football game. Like what insane start to his career. So it's, it's, it's only natural he struggled to start, but he's rolling now. Yeah. I just don't know if they you see a lot of teams do do this with veteran quarterbacks where they're like, okay, we can't throw the ball, so let's run it. And then once the ground game gets open, then we'll go back to throwing it. I don't know if one, I don't know if Stroud has enough experience to do that. I don't know if Ryan Day is confident enough in his um O line to do that. I'm not saying that this will cause Ohio State to lose. What I'm saying is 
don't be surprised if you don't see a blowout. Yeah, I, I don't. A, a lot of people are predicting blowout, and I'm like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic because, as you said with the Penn State defense, you know they are going up against one of the be- more efficient pass offenses right now. They're 16th best um, pass defense right now in the country, only letting up 178 yards per game. Um, they're going to have – the defense is what kept Penn State alive because the Penn State mm-hmm. offense – has not been good. It's been it's a bit a of a disaster. Yes. And it's a mess. <laughs> Clifford being banged up does not help here. Um, and there is no real continuity week to week of what that product is going to look like. Um, it's a huge, deep drop-off, if Cliff, as we saw in the Iowa game, behind Clifford. Um, and he has not been playing great. And so the defense is what's been keeping them in games. It's what's been keeping them sort of relevant. And this is their best test. I think, to your point, they are up to it. But if they even have a moment of hesitation, it can Ohio State's yeah. on you like that because they're just loaded at talent. I mean, they probably they don't have the best playing running back right now in the country, but they have the most talented running back in the country. If that makes sense, Trey Henderson, who's a freshman who's going to get more touches, his talent you can just it oozes off the screen. But he's not playing at a Kenneth Walker right now. If if that makes sense, um, the wide receiving mm-hmm. core. It's the best wide receiving core in the country. Um, this team is just loaded with weapons. And the defense has started to firm them up a little bit. They took their fiber pills, and they're firming up a little bit here um, and coming back to life. Uh, it helps when you take the defensive play calling out of the defensive coordinator's hand, who's been an absolute disaster there. Uh, but they're coming back to life. So I'm with you. I don't know. I don't love the spread at 18.5. That feels a little too high. I could totally see a blowout, but I could also see yeah. this being like a 10-point game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm leaning that that 18.5 is a little high. But here's my caveat on that. The 18.5 is either a little high or it's going to be an absolute blowout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my caveat. <laughs> that you're either going to get a Big Ten game or you're going to get a game where uh, Ohio State puts up 50. I just don't – Penn State's defense through the air stopping the pass is pretty damn good. And they're going to get their best test so far yeah. this year. So we're really going to get a good evaluation for them going forward. But this is a – I mean, the only team that they played that wasn't, like, offic- offensively challenged is Auburn, right? Um, God, i got to go back through their schedule. It's been an interesting one, to say the least. Um, I just pulled off them, too, to go to the uh, – give me one second here. <laughs> My brain is just, like – right at this point as far as because we did the nfl show last week or yesterday yeah, they have played illinois iowa indiana villanova auburn ball state wisconsin so yes the only team that they play with a competent offense is auburn yep yeah, yeah, yeah. i would agree and they that. won that and yeah. a close game a very close game. 20 yeah. yeah yeah it was a good game um yeah the botched uh third down by the refs. I'd still be angry about that if I was a Penn State fan. Whatever. Or not Penn State, Auburn fan. Um, Alrighty. Moving on to the next game. Wisconsin-Iowa. This is coming up because it's relevant because people do not realize that the other side, while while one side of the Big Big Ten carries pretty much the entire league right now, the other mm-hmm. side is wide open. And while Wisconsin has been dreadful, to say the least, they still 100% control their destiny. And it starts with getting a win against Iowa at Wisconsin. Do we think they can actually get a win in this spot? 
I mean, so last week they played Purdue, right? Yep. Um, and went in there and, and handled them. Yeah, <sighs> the first half was a little rough, but yeah, they came yeah. back in that second half and just went to work. <sighs> it's a three and a half point here's, spread too. By the way, I forgot to mention that. Here's the key to the game. If Iowa's defense, although they got embarrassed by Purdue, is still stout. Yes. If they can turn Wisconsin over, they win this game. I agree with that. I um the Wisconsin's favored, by the way. They're minus three and a half. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Wis these are two <laughs> Vegas respects these defenses so much and these offenses so little. That the over under is set at thirty six and a half. <laughs> yeah, still it sounds too high. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Wisconsin defense might be the best defense in the country if their offense didn't turn over the ball so much and put them in such terrible positions. Virtually, like all the points scored on this Wisconsin defense have been a result from a turnover by the offense, which is just crazy. So these two defenses are insanely stout. To give you a perspective, Wisconsin is giving up 53.3 yards uh, per game. Iowa, 89.7. Through the air, Wisconsin is giving up 169.7. And Iowa's giving up 211. These two defenses are very good. Iowa's giving up 14.6 points per game. Wisconsin, 18.4. These are stout, stout, stout defenses, which I think it is time to revisit a point I brought up a couple weeks ago, and some people thought it was wrong, but do you start to reconsider Jim Leonard as head coach in getting rid of Paul Chris? Because you have an elite side of the football, and you have another side that, if we're being quite frankly, the offense has not progressed, um, is continuing not really to progress, and it's the same product year in and year out. No, I'm still going to stick with my same thing where make – him hire a competent offensive coordinator and stop letting him that's fair. architect this. I don't Make, hate that. I mean, like, I mean, you saw it. Look, you see it with Jim Harbaugh, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And not that often. I mean, Gaddis is. Uh, well, we we can talk about that. But Jim had to give up give up the reins a little bit, and it's working i guess uh to a point <laughs> the same thing happened yeah to a point the same thing happened with d'antonio although he gave up the reins to and we won't even talk about it but <laughs> <laughs> i think the coach he has to chris has to um be a uh overall coach i agree not put his fingerprints so much on the offense see i don't disagree with that i i think there yeah. are Here's the problem, and it's going to suck because if Jim Leonard leaves and he does what like Luke Fickle's doing, and you're just mm-hmm. like, shit, we had him in the reins and we stayed at this product, that's going to suck. But the spin zone you can always give yourself is you are Wisconsin. Your sights are not really national championship. Like, that just isn't in your – like, it may happen. I don't think – I think Badger fans think that they can win a national championship. If that's the case, then Paul Chris ain't doing it. And so you might as no. well then try and take a risk on Jim Leonard. But the problem is, is Paul Chris is insanely consistent with the product that he mm-hmm. brings. It is a down year this year, yes. But overall – it is a consistent year-over-year product of Wisconsin, which is competing for Big Ten championships and going to the Rose Bowl, which, I mean, it's not a bad life. There are programs out here that would love that, a.k.a. Nebraska, um, but your ceiling is not as potentially high 
with Jim Leonard, but the floor is also way lower because he could be a head coach and he could be a guy that we realized, oh, he ain't a head coach. He's just a coordinator and he's an elite coordinator. So there is a lot of risk there. You know what you're getting with Paul Chris, but I do think it's a conversation we're going to start hearing more and more and it's going to get louder and louder if this offense can't get it going. Yeah, I think this too. Like if Wisconsin has to play from behind, Iowa wins this game easily. With that said, Wisconsin's defense is like number two or number three in the nation, right? Which means yep. on your list, on, the only defense better is Georgia. And yep. that is, that's an NFL defense. So uh, yeah, th- that that's it. I think that if I am making a prediction on this game, it's that Wisconsin's defense will cover up the mistake for his offense because Iowa's O-line is so bad. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I like Wisconsin here. I'm a glutton for pain because I continually bet on this team. I continually lose money on this team. So take it with a grain of salt. But I do think matchups make fights. And I think the matchups, when you look at them, favor Wisconsin in this game. I am a sucker for the fact that that offense started to hum a little bit um, and looked a little bit more improved coming off their bye. It's still not great. Graham Mertz is still sort of a disaster. But the defense is letting up 184 um, points per game with an offense that turns over the ball at a much higher rate than yours. I mean, Graham Mertz alone has had seven interceptions up to this point this season. Most of those points come directly af- directly from the series following the turnover. So this defense is elite. And would, if they minimize turnovers and better field position, they may be the number one defense in the country. So I like that, and I would probably put my money there. I'm not going to bet this game. But that is where I would probably invest my dollars if I had to. Um, but I don't like it from an investment, like a, a gambling standpoint, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would touch the over under on this. I don't know if I would touch the points. I might just go Wisconsin straight up. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. do not hate it um, in the least bit. All righty. Next game, we're heading to SEC country for a matchup that is quite enticing. Um, mostly because of the storylines, I think, and that is Auburn Ole Miss. These are storylines <laughs> where you have Ole Miss, who is humming, getting a lot of attention because, once again, Lane Kiffin and Mackerel are, you know, offensive wizards. Uh, the defense doesn't have much going for it, can't stop a nosebleed. And then on the other side of the ball, you have the absolute emotional roller coaster ride that is Bo Nix, which every week is tuned, is watchable television because it is either fantastically exciting or absolutely hilarious, miserable. Turnover machine. Yeah, inept yeah. offense. So it's a fun, interesting matchup. Where do you put this one at, and, and what are you feeling going into this game? Also, this by the way, those... line is at two and a half right now. Auburn is favored over under 65 and a half. This is one of those ones that no matter what we say on the show, something else will happen. <laughs> yeah, complete chaos uh, in this game is what yeah, I'm Yeah, I think this is, this, is, this is team chaos yes. on, bo- on both sides of the ball here. Uh, like you said, you have an inept offense at times going against a defense that I don't know if it knows like <laughs> where it's at on the field sometimes <laughs> with Ole Miss. It's not like Auburn's defense is great, but <laughs> you know, I think I would put more faith in Auburn's defense than Ole Miss's, I guess. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't touch this one with like a 10 foot pole. 
this is another one where I, I do think I will probably place a wager on this. I'm not, I haven't made up my mind just yet, but I look at this game and it's always, you know, where are the matchup advantages mm-hmm. um, for a game? And I think there are two very big matchup advantages that f- Auburn has against Ole Miss. One is that defensive line in the front seven's physicality and speed against what is an Ole Miss team that has gone to war for the last couple of weeks. And they're com- Auburn is coming off a bye, so they should be a little bit more rested. It's a very physical line, and I think over the course of the game, that is going to make a difference for Auburn. The other advantage I think they have is old, the ability to kind of control the tempo of the game because Ole Miss has shown a lack of ability to stop the run. And while Auburn's offense uh-huh. has not been great at generating rushing yards this season, this is a matchup where I think they get back on track, especially coming off that bye. Um, so I think those are two very distinct advantages. Now, there's another part of my brain that 100% thinks we're going to get to the fourth quarter, and this is going to be basically a tied game, and then absolute chaos is going to break. But then in that theory, I like the team that has a little bit more rest that isn't coming off a huge stretch of games um, and has a little bit more physicality to it um, than the opposing team. But that is kind of where I see this right now. I like that the number's still under a field goal, which is nice for a game that I think will be generally pretty close. Um, and you've got some banged-up players for Old Miss. Um, but yep. that's kind of where I make this. Because you got to think, they're coming off Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. That's a lot of football in big games that they have just ripped off and played. I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is six and one, and in in, the, in that gauntlet that you yes. just said, yeah, it's so a good, it's a good football team. They're just banged up coming into this one. And I think that spells disaster for a team who's had some rest. Well, it's a good football team, but I still stand by my point where that defense is questionable for Ole Miss, and I think it's a miracle. You know, kind of like the narrative with Michigan State, like. It's a miracle that you're where you are with how sometimes you play on both sides of the ball. I think it's similar for Ole Miss where I'm like, you you got saved by either a bad play on the other side or you literally did the Pac-12, uh, old school Pac-12, and just outscored your opponent. Yeah. You know, and I know that sounds dumb. Like every game you want to outscore your opponent, but some teams are just dedicate i we will just put up more points than you will that's, that's how it. they're built yeah they're built yeah. <laughs> they're built for speed they're all gas no brakes like that no that's breaks. how they're right that's how the old miss team is built in by design that's what lane kiffin wants to run um right now because he thinks he has a, a, a matchup advantage there and he does in most games they're six and one this season so far yep, so like and one it's and not that's nothing to sneeze at. i'm not taking anything away from old no miss. not at all no. like they didn't play as well as they would have liked to in that alabama game but they came back in the second half and put up a decent fight there um and then they had the arkansas game they played well in tennessee they went and, and played well against lsu so this is a good good football team it's just they're banged up and i think there are some matchup advantages favoring yeah auburn. i will say this 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 is a game where the narrative is going to be offense versus offense. And as we just alluded to, you cannot count on the Tigers offense all the time. Yeah. Um they are five and two in the SEC. Again, nothing to sneeze at. One of those losses is to a Big Ten opponent, mind you. Um, but with that said, the <laughs> the points total for this is sixty six points. Mm-hmm. I have a sneaking feeling that it will not get that high. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. It, luckily, yeah. Bo Nix is at home, so he does play better at home. We know his That's infamous true. road yes. starts, so that that helps. Um, but yeah, I I love this. Do you game. think Bo Nix knows that? Do you think he gets in his head? Oh, hundred percent. He's got to. Yeah. He's he's a guy that strikes me as he reads every single thing because he thinks it's like bulletin material and it's going to motivate him to do better and has the exact opposite effect. <laughs> yeah, he. I would have him institute my rule where like. No, just don't pay any attention to this stuff. That's fair. Speaking of yeah. your rule, let's get to the game of the week. The Battle of Michigan, Big Brother versus Little Brother, as Hart decided to uh, brand it for the rest of time, essentially. Yeah, um, for that, yeah. that clip is going to outlive him. Oh, a hundred percent. We're people. Our grandkids are going to be talking about this. Um, yes, he and, will be in the grave, and that clip will be playing. <laughs> yes, for every <laughs> yeah. game. Uh, big every new game. Something that he has said that he regrets saying. He was a, a, a college student, so I will give him that. Uh, you think? Because it has it has provided <laughs> a bajillion bulletin board of material for MSU and has turned this rivalry up to a thousand percent which brings yeah. us to the game of the week in my opinion the line is four and a half the over under is 49 and a half we are going to spend more time on this than we have spent on the rest of the games i am going to kick it to you first um i want to hear kind of at some point what you think are advantages and disadvantages heading into this of game course. but we'll break it down entirely but i will give you the floor as the reigning michigan state fan on this podcast yeah, so just for disclosure here, you might not get a lot of, like, stats and stuff from me this time around. No, uh, t uh, Nate and I really like to go back and forth on stats. Um, <laughs> it's where we like to shine. Uh, but as a rule, I do not read or consume any media about the Michigan and Michigan State game um, before the game happens. Now, we'll go back and read after the game, win or loss. I will go back and read those things. So the only narratives that I've seen is via social media, and I even try to quickly scroll past those. I want to go into this game as um, untainted as possible. Now, of course, I'm coming into this game with um, I'm being cautiously optimistic. We are at home. We have had we have been punched in the mouth twice and have survived. I think for a good football team, those are good signs. I think if you are a naysayer, you're gonna say that they're, that they're trending the wrong way. I will have you know, I've watched this team get punched in the mouth before under different management, and then that linger over the to the whole year. I do not think that is happening this year. I also believe that there is a air of confidence that our players have on both sides of the ball that will translate very well um, to East Lansing on Saturday. Um, both college game day and big noon kickoff are there. And Barstool which, for that matter too. All three. Let, have, oh, okay. All let me, three. Uh, <laughs> let me, um, and this may offend some of our sponsors. Uh, Nate, if you thought you were going to work for Barstool, I will say that <laughs> these opinions right here, are Dante's and Dante's only and do not reflect the media company or trophy <laughs> kids. Bad news media or trophy kids. These are Dante. Dave, what's his last name? Portnoy. Yeah, went he, to Michigan. Yeah, of course he went to Michigan. He is one of these people. He does not belong in this narrative. He keeps inserting himself year after year into this narrative with his 
one I don't like. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't like barstool sports as a media brand. They're questionable hiring practices, all everything. But yeah. that's beside the point. Dave, you just had your made a presence in Detroit with your with your sports book, right? Yeah. Leave it there. Leave it to professional sports. You don't belong in the college sports realm. You don't know what you're talking about. Even as an alum of one of the schools, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're talking about. And we do not care about Michigan State. Doesn't care about you. I want you to know that. That's why you are in Lansing when the game is in East Lansing. I just want. I just want to point that out. He is broadcasting from a bar in Lansing. I have nothing against that bar. But it's not in East Lansing. And they can put up as many graphics that they want saying live from East Lansing. There's a huge difference between Lansing and East Lansing. They're two totally different cities. Um, you don't belong, you don't belong here. That's my rant for her. Fair enough. I was gonna say I didn't think they were I knew they were gonna be there, but I thought there was some issue with the location that they picked because all three obviously game day gets their pick of the litter, then Fox right behind them. Um, because both are there, and you've then got Barstool as well there. Um, all three for this game, which is why I was upset that this game was not the night game because it is the clearly the biggest game on the schedule. I do not want to have to have this at noon, but I do like that we're going to get Gus Johnson. Big game just for this game. Yeah, I, the only good thing about it being at noon is 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 over with. That's fair for you. It would be over. It with. Is, yeah, 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 I like yes, that. Yes, it will be over with. It will be over with, and we not we're not waiting around. Although I do think it should have been a three thirty game. I don't care what anybody says. It should have been a three thirty game. Don't I will like say there were rumors that administration came out at Michigan State and was like, absolutely not. This cannot be a night game. Um, <laughs> I cannot remember the last time it's been a night game in East Lansing. It has been a night game. I feel like a couple times in Michigan. It was a Michigan, night game though. for that fumbled punt in Michigan. Um, that was a night game when they won what twenty four. Yeah. 23 or whatever it was um one of the greatest college football games of all time i don't yeah. call your mama talk yeah. to your mama i don't <laughs> care it, of all time uh, that was a good one. Oh, back to this game what where do you see your advantages i guess and disadvantage when you're breaking down this game because we want to give it a little yep. bit neutral neutrality to this absolutely where do you think you're weakest and where are you kind of thinking like oh this is a this is an area we can exploit here we go. Here we go. Show my <laughs> journalistic integrity here. Michigan State relies a lot on the big uh, play on offense. Yeah. Michigan limits big plays, offensive big plays. I don't think they've had many. They had one or two against Rutgers. Um, they had a couple against Washington. But for the most part, they don't let that happen. Um, with that said, when we're talking offense versus offense, I'm going to take Michigan State in a landslide. Uh, Michigan's offense relies heavily on the run. Yes. And when they are forced to pass beyond, let's say, I'm going to be generous and say, when they are forced to pass beyond 40 yards, the ball just goes somewhere. I'd say plus 20 at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It just goes somewhere. And that's fine. They understand what the game that they're playing. Now, Michigan State on defense has not has only played two run heavy defenses in both Indiana and Nebraska, and we struggled. With that said, we still kept them under ten yards uh, per. Def- now that's not great because they were getting like eight or so yards, but still, uh, this whole bend don't break. If you don't love it like me, I hate it. It has worked for Michigan State. Does that 
does it not work against Michigan? Because we are going to give um, Michigan the chance to do those little dump off five yards, 10 yard passes and let them march down to the field. Now, Michigan in the red zone, this is going to sound really bad. They either score or they don't. Sometimes they like turn it over on fourth down in the red zone and don't take the, the three points. I expect Jim Harbaugh to play not as conservatively against Michigan State. I think he will go out there and tell his team to put up as many points as possible. Can they put up the points, though? Um, and then finally, uh, I, the thing I think Michigan State will be able to exploit on Michigan is if you can turn over McNamara, I think game over. Yeah. I don't think Michigan has enough in the tank to do a come another come behind win and Rutgers wasn't really a come from behind win but it kind of was. Um, with that said, I think if you're Michigan, if you get one or two big plays off, if you can get McNamara to give you one or two big plays, uh, I think that spells disaster for Michigan State because not only will we have to contend with those, let's say you put up uh, twelve extra points that you weren't supposed to because a big play happened. I don't think Michigan State's defense can keep you out of the red zone enough to make so their offense can make up those 12 points. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think um, it was interesting breaking down this game because I, I went back and watched a bunch of these games. I went and looked at the numbers. There's a lot of similarities uh, between these teams, but then there are some strikingly big differences. Um, we talk about the two-headed monster in Michigan and the efficiency <laughs> of that rush offense, which when you look at total yards per game, yeah, they're fifth best in the country right now. And Michigan yep. State is ranked at 32nd best in the country. But when you mm -hmm. break it down to yards per carry, they're basically identical. Michigan State's averaging 54, or 54, 5.4 yards per carry, which is 19th in the country. Michigan is 5.5 yards per carry. That is 12th best in the country. Um, so they're pretty similar there. Um, they're passing offenses. There is clearly a difference there, and there's a clearly a difference in the weapons. Michigan State presents better weapons than Michigan does, um, but there is an interesting dynamic there because you have a very efficient Michigan passing defense that uh -huh. is very good. And is Peyton Thorne going to be able to take advantage of that? He is clearly more risky than Cade McNamara. Hell, my 90-year-old grandmother is probably more risky than Cade McNamara. Yeah. Um, and that's what Jim Harbaugh wants. He wants a guy, and he talked about it in his press conference this week, he's talked about it um, throughout the season, that he is getting what he wants out of Cade McNamara, which is a guy who doesn't take a ton of yes. chances, who doesn't lose the, the game um, for you, who doesn't throw turnover. I mean, he only has one turnover-worthy throw, and that ended up in a pick in the Nebraska game. He keeps yeah, but when you don't short. throw the ball more than 40 yards... Right, but that's the problem. It's hard to get a ton of Because yeah. Ohio State is smoking people. Michigan State yeah. has big explosive play potential. Yep. Penn, Penn State, the offense isn't obviously humming like they want it to be, but you, you always got to be careful about what they might be able to drum up. Michigan is going to have to pass the ball. Throw the point. ball. And yes. <laughs> Michigan State has shown an ability to give up the run play, so that is, you know, they're going to clearly want to run it. And to their credit, Michigan's credit, that offensive line has done a great job. I don't feel like enough people, this is going to be me giving, like, the biggest line of credit to Michigan, and then I'm going to get to Michigan State and where they have a lot of advantages, I think. But Michigan's offensive line has played extremely well because everybody in the country they have played to this point knows Michigan is going to run the ball and wants to run the ball. And they have bullied people overall in the trenches. 
Michigan is second best in the country when it comes to sacks allowed. They are averaging .43 sacks per game, which is fantastic. They don't throw the ball a lot, but that helps. But My here's... only caveat to that is, have they played a competent pass rush? I don't disagree, but here's the stat that I really liked for Michigan. They are only averaging 1.7 losses or tackles per loss allowed, which is best in the country. People are not penetrating, whether you blitz them, whatever. They're doing a great job of getting, moving that line of scrimmage and getting people past that line of scrimmage, which is good. Where MSU is allowing 4.86 um, tackles. Yeah, allowed. but now I got to pull out the stat. How many sacks per game is Michigan State averaging? So that is where you guys are very good. So the struggles are, you flip it, Michigan does not do a good job of penetrating on defense. They do not do a good job of getting tackles for losses. They do not get, do a job, good job of getting sacks. MSU is tied for fifth in the country right now, averaging 3.71 sacks per game, 26 total. Michigan is 70th in the country with only 15 total sacks on the season, 2.4. There's an even larger disparity, though, when we talk about tackles for loss. Michigan is 24th in the country at 6.3 tackles per loss per game. Or Michigan State, sorry. Michigan is 109th in the country at 3.7 tackles per loss. They are not getting penetration. Hutchinson has warped our idea of what this defense is. Mm -hmm. Which it and I'm a I'm I felt played in that when I really started breaking down and looking at it and watching it, he is a game changer, obviously. But the rest of that unit has not done well for Michigan. And that is a concerning aspect for Michigan in an area that Michigan can take advantage. The other point that I'll put on and I'll kick it back to you, I think when I was looking at this, one thing that is clearly noticeable as you watch Michigan games they have a hard time accounting for backs out of the backfield or tight ends kind of running a shallow route and up the field. Yes. Connor Hayward yes. of Michigan State, and you can give me a little bit more, but just looking off the paper, he is averaging 9.1 yards per catch. He could be the difference maker in this game because there are time after time I watch the Michigan games, and you can catch the linebackers having very little eye discipline losing track of the back, and you look up the field, and he's wide open 15, 20 yards down the field, and Peyton Thorne's just got to have the time to hit that throw. But that is an area, and Connor Hayward, do not be surprised if that is a game-changer for this game. Yes. Um, Michigan's, you know, I feel like they've done this. It doesn't matter who's calling the defense. They like to sell out the, the linebackers for sure like to sell out yeah and that's fine in years past when you're getting that penetration but to your point they kind of let the quarterback of the other team do what they want to do because they know their their dbs are good yeah. are really good super efficient. um and and so you're kind of fine with like oh if a, if a tight end gets you know picks up a first down or so um that's okay what i am going to say is they are going to allow Peyton Thorne time to throw the ball. Yep. As long as as long as MSU, MSU's offensive line doesn't even have to need to play perfect. As you pointed out, they really don't get that much penetration. They what they do is they flat like they they do close the offensive line around the quarterback sometimes and it makes you think that someone is coming. So I hope that MSU is telling Peyton Thorne that like you have a little more time than you think. Mm-hmm. Um with that said, I do think um, a key to the game are, is both our tight ends uh, and Connor Hayward 
and um and now I'm drawing the blank. I just uh, looked it up, but uh, I hope that play is there. You we've seen them try to run it in the past, and it just not. Peyton Thorne is either late on the throw or the tight end um, takes the wrong, like runs the wrong route. I hope, I hope they are playing that. I will say you have gotten me excited about the the note, the thought of getting one or two good passes out to Reed, uh, or you know Naylor catching one uh, short and then being able to pat blow past those linebackers. Um, because once Michigan State is in the secondary with that ball, the times we haven't scored are, are it's rare. Yeah, no, it's fair. Um, and, and I do think we won't be. I know people are like Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker. I I do think Kenneth Walker is going to take a little bit of a backseat in this game. I don't disagree. I, I think Michigan is going to focus on him for the most part, and it is Ken Reed and Naylor. I mean, that's the key. Can they win their matchups? And get mm-hmm. open because right now they are averaging twenty. Uh, Reed is averaging twenty point eight yards per catch. Uh, Naylor's nineteen yards per catch. These are two very explosive wide receivers. But the big question is, can they win their matchups? Because the Michigan pass defense is very good so far. Now they haven't played and really been tested up to this point with offenses, but you can just see it in the way they play. If you watch in on them, their technique is very good. They're they play a very um, kind of easy style of defensive football to be successful in. Um, yes. And that is a, a concern. I also say that for Michigan State, though, when you saw it a little bit in the Indiana game, I think that their defense and the way they play coming off the bye, there are some wrinkles they can throw Cade McNamara where we may see him turn over the ball a little bit more. But this is, that's, I'm not really betting on that. Yeah, Michigan State, I, I think that. the key for Michigan State, if they want to win this game, they have to get out early, and they have to try to yes. make Michigan be aggressive and pass the ball. Because if they don't, and they let Jim Hardball and this Michigan team control the game because they struggle on offense early, I do not think Michigan State can win this game. But if they can jump out early, they can do that. The other part that is concerning, special teams. Michigan's special team, there's a clear advantage there. Um, when you look at it. And not to say Michigan State's bad on special teams, but the Michigan special teams is one of the better ones in the country right now. Um, and so th- you're looking for small advantages everywhere, which way you go, and you can break it down a million different ways. Um, it's just there's a lot of unique matchups, and it's what makes this game so great for sun- or yeah. Saturday. I I can't wait. I'll be in East Lansing um, for the game, uh, along with... <clears throat> Uh, other tailgate people, other people in our tailgate. I think, I you know, I'm I'm counting a lot on the crowd. I'm counting a lot on the confidence. I'm counting a lot on the uh, bye week. Um, I am hoping that for once we play a full game. You saw in the Indiana game that the offense was non-existent and that the defense had to set up. But you've seen us play plenty of games where the offense had to bail the defense out. out. I think. I think Michigan State wins this game every single time if we bring a complete offense and a complete defense. I don't disagree completely with that. It will also be interesting. I'm going to be fascinated because Michigan did not do what I was hoping they would do, which is show a little bit more down-the-field type of practice plays this last game. They kept everything off, which is smart. I get it. But, you know, Cade McNamara hasn't had a ton 
of opportunities to really push the ball down the field when he has. It's been disastrous. The throws are not very accurate. Um, it'll be interesting, though, because you know Cade is definitely the more conservative guy. What role is McCarthy going to play in this game? Because if. he could be a very big wrinkle, and I don't know. Maybe you'll have a better read on this. My impression is they've been using him heavily, showing more his running ability than his throwing ability in these games. And I am wondering if that is on purpose to try to throw a wrinkle where they create the illusion that they are going to run the ball with him and then they open a giant play down the field. Because I do think Jim Hardball is – I shouldn't say Hardball is going to do it. Their offensive coordinator is going to do it. He's going to have some more wrinkles in this offensive game plan. I think they kept a lot off tape last week and are going to throw some interesting things at Michigan State this week, which should be interesting. But I don't know if Cade can exercise it. So I think you're going to have to have the higher ceiling guy. In yeah. Here, here's an advantage that I think uh, they have that uh, Michigan State doesn't have. I think for Michigan State, there are no more tricks or secrets. Like, this doesn't mean that we it's won't true. run the trick plays. We won't run the, the, the wrinkles. But you know that they're there somewhere. With Michigan... They've literally played the same game every game that they've played, even to their detriment sometimes, i.e. that Rutgers game. Yep. Uh, where, uh, and even in the Nebraska game, they still kept, again, almost to their detriment where you're playing, like, you need to do something. And literally, for both teams, both Michigan and Michigan State, Nebraska did help both teams out tremendously by messing up at the end there. Um, but... We don't know that. The other thing I wanted to bring up is you talked about their corners and their defensive backs, and they are great. If you watched that Northwestern game like I did, even though it was a blowout, there were several times when Northwestern uh, wide receiver, I forget his name, burned the corners, and Northwestern's quarterback just couldn't make the pass. Yeah. So it happened. It so, happened. I mean, the, the play that they scored on, it happened. I think, I hope that Mel Tucker takes a note from the Indiana game. Their DBs are handsy. And again, our DBs are handsy too. So I get it. I hope if they, if Mel Tucker took a, um, a note from the Indiana game that you, you get in those refs ears and say, Hey, watch them grabbing the jerseys and stuff. I I don't disagree. Um, You know, there are opportunities because I say they do play an aggressive style. Um, There are times where they can, they kind of have their blunders, but overall, this Michigan's team, the back end, is very good. the The front yeah. seven, not great. I mean, they're ninety first in stuff rate on the defensive line. Like it, that is a problem. Um, but it's a very interesting matchup. The one other note I would say that is concerning. We we kind of talked about uh, the how bad the Michigan State defensive line. Not how bad they are, but not how good people I think think they are, because Hutchinson kind of gives them that illusion because he is so very good. The, the Michigan, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the yeah. the the concerning part for me is that Michigan State offensive line has been trending in the wrong direction. Yes. Have you? Yes. <laughs> do you have any faith that after the bye, that could get cleaned up? Because I am of the opinion that the bye is going to give them some rest. They're going to get some things cleaned up, and that unit will hopefully look more like they looked at the beginning of the season, but I have my concerns there. No, I think you nailed it on that. You hit the nail on the head with the, I think we're going to rely on our tight ends a lot because you can get, you can zip the ball to them very quickly. Yep. Um, no, I think some of those, 
I hope this doesn't come back and bite me. So I'm gonna knock on wood. I think some of those issues, like the miss, or those gaps or missing assignments sometimes, or just not getting the push that they need. Um, I think some of those aren't fixable right now. That's fair. Yeah, I think, and that's why I think, like, for the detractors of, of Kenneth Walker, there are plenty of times that he had to wait for the O line to figure out what they were doing and then make the play. Um, and, and same for Peyton Thorne. You will watch him roll out to the right, to his right, right? Because he knows that that O line isn't getting the shift that he needs, but he knows that I can create enough space if I roll out to the right that Naylor or Reed will be down there. I think that the play of Walker and Peyton Thorne has um, masked some of the glaring issues with the offensive line. I think Indiana exploited that. I don't disagree with that at all. All right. Any other things before we, we lay our pick and, and uh, call Just it have, watch this game. Both, both fan bases, okay? <laughs> Just watch this game and have fun. I will say this from a narrative standpoint. If Michigan State wins this game, do not expect them to be ranked four or five or anything like that. They we will be ranked six. Yep. If Michigan wins this game, expect them to be somewhere between two and five. <laughs> I this is just the reality in which we live. Yep. I have come to terms with it. The you cannot beat that brand. The M is solid. Nope. Um, but I take solace in the fact that. If Michigan State wins this game, and I'm hoping that we do, we go out there and win it, that we do put the college football world on notice, even if you don't rank us that high. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think the the problem is, unfortunately, is Ohio State's probably going to smoke both of you guys. Um, that's just the the reality of the situation. I don't know. K, <laughs> look, I mean, K, CJ, when he gets pressured. Uh, we'll see. That, that whole yeah. team is just, they are rolling. But yeah. I don't disagree. The winner of this game is going to get an enormous of national attention, um, and all the spotlight will be back on them. When I was thinking about the pick, the number has been at three and a half. At recording right now, I am seeing variations um, more four, four and a half than three and a half right now um, at a couple books. So we're using the number um, at four and a half. I was trying to think of the pick. I was like, damn, there are just so many. There's so many interesting matchups. Like you find one benefit for one school, you find another for the next school. How are you going to break this down? Where are you looking at? Um, and the maize and blue kept coming back, and the power of that school and the brand. And then I thought, we are in East Lansing. We are bringing them to the deep end. We are bringing them to the woodshed. This is Sparta. MSU plus four and a half. Lay the points. Book it. Boom. Done. <laughs> See ya. I Bye, love Michigan. It. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is right, Sparta. Man. Done. This is Marta. I hope you're right, Nate. We're taking them. You heard it here. The deep end. We are swag surfing this weekend, folks. That is it. That will wrap it. It's going to be a great game. Just got just Gus Johnson on the call. Electricity factory. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, green. Yeah. All righty. Anything else before we wrap this up? No. Go green. Stay safe. Hydrate this weekend. Hydrate before you dehydrate. Please. Please hydrate this weekend. No fights. We, they're just usually not fights. Um, they keep it pretty civil. And yeah, they, they, we, we usually keep it pretty civil. In East Lansing, I cannot say the same thing for Ann Arbor, but that's a different story for <laughs> a different time. Shots fired. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. 
that'll do it for us. And as always, peace. Peace. Go green. Oh.